Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Disciples House. Sure is good to be back home. Well, what do we got coming up? Let's see. Well, we got Contending Faith Bible Conference next week in Pigeon Forge. Uh, so me and Robbie and Ann, I know, will be going, and some of the others will be going. And uh, we're looking forward to a new facility there. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be nice. It's actually going to be in Pigeon Forge instead of Gatlinburg this year. So that'll be different. And uh, it's going to be good time and good word. All right. And then September 2nd, of course, is Prayer for the Nation, where we pray for the nation uh, as, as um, the Lord leads and as he commands us to do, to, that we should pray for our nation, that we have peace in our lives. All right. And then, of course, a Generation Life Youth Camp's coming up next July. Uh, and we have more events coming. So uh, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, possibly going to the Creation Museum up in Petersburg, Kentucky, uh, there's a possibility of a ladies shopping trip and definitely want to get a day on the lake in. Uh, so that's going to be uh, good. And if anybody has any other ideas, please bring them to me and Robbie and we'll see if we can't get them uh, scheduled. All right. Uh, okay, so let's go to our meditation for the week. So uh, for our in hymn this week is Galatians 5 verse 1. Out of the King James, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So this this one doesn't actually say in him. It says wherewith Christ, but it's the same principle. It's something that we get because we have Christ, that we can stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. But then it's up to us not to get entangled again with sin. So our confession, I stand fast in the freedom that I have in Christ because he made me free. I will not be entangled and handcuffed again with the bondage of sin. And that, of course, is our choice. All right, so our healing scripture for this week is Isaiah 57, 19, also out of the King James. It says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. So our confession, God says peace, peace to all. He creates the fruit of my lips and heals me when I speak health healing, and praise. Again, it's our choice to speak health, healing, and praise. We have our part to play, but God promises that if we speak the, do these things, that we will be blessed and we will be healed. Praise God. All right, so praying for the service. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for being here with us, Lord. We know that you will lead and guide me and Robbie, and you will give us the words that are just right for those that are here and those that are listening online. We know that you will lead us to being a better disciple, to being closer to you, to drawing near to you, showing us the way that we should go and, and how we should do it. Lord, we, just, we, we love you, and we thank you for being here with us. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot operate here. You cannot operate through anyone here, and you cannot... You cannot, your, your tricks will not work here. You must leave in Jesus' name. Because we are, we are here for the Lord and we are here to meet with him. And you are not allowed to be here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Derek, our church confession.
morning, disciples. Also, let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified, a new creation. Wait, I'm a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with God in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. So I'm fixing to go walk on the mountain. I will miss y'all. But let me tell you, if you haven't done it, that's as close to heaven as you'll ever get. There's no distractions. There's no social media. There's just you, just me, and my God. Can you imagine? Father, God, it feels so 
God, we sing holy, holy, holy as the angels do. As they turn and sing and praise you, they see another facet, another facet, and they say holy is you. Holy are you, Lord, and another and another because you are bigger and greater and holy, holy, holy are you, Father God. Glory, glory. You have led me through the fire. 
that we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs unto you to stir up the gift that's in us. And, Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your loving goodness. And, Father, as we approach your word today, we ask that you give every person a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Open up the eyes of their understanding that they may understand and see and know the, the truth of your word, the reality of your word, Father God. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Think through mine and Michael's minds. Speak through our lips the very oracles of God. Use our tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer. And, Father, it's my heart's prayer, my heart's cry, that you, that you cause every person's heart to be the good ground. But, Father, I know and I understand that they have a part to play in that. And so, Father, give them a desire to be good ground. Give them a desire to not only be hearers but doers of the word. And, Father, we thank you, and we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. Glory to God. You may be seated this morning. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover, tremendous amount of ground to cover this morning. And uh, we are definitely missing our Mr. Richard, but we know he's following God's assignment. Yep, and we're missing Miss Liv as well. Yep, she's on her assignment, getting an education and uh, staying with God while she does it. Uh, feels like the church has been emptied out as of recently, but God's not done. His work's not done. His plan's not done by Amen. any means. Uh, we've got more to do. We've got more people to reach. I want you to turn Second uh, Timothy to the book of James. Okay. <laughs> James chapter 1. No, we're not teaching that today. Okay. James chapter 1 and verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you only hear the word and do not actually do the word, you deceive yourself. You need to write that down. If you only hear the word and don't actually do the word, you deceive yourself. Amen. What does it mean I deceive myself? It means that you think that you're all right with God and you're not. Let me be very clear. If you are not a doer of the word, you are not okay with God. Let me say that one more time. If you are not a doer of the fullness of the word, you are not okay with God. Many people think, well, I've got it mostly right, so I'm okay. Yep. That is not so. Many people think, well, I can pick and choose what parts of the Bible I want to follow and, and what parts I don't want to follow. That is not true. Amen. It's not true. We are called to be followers of Christ. Uh, you know, a mama duck, when she has her little ducklings, you know what she has? 
She has followers. You know what those little baby ducks do? They walk. If you ever pay attention, the little baby ducks, for the most part, walk in a perfectly straight line right behind mommy. What are they doing? They're, tra- they're, following, they're following in mommy's footsteps. Yep. They're going everywhere. Even when they're swimming, even when they're swimming, they're going right along with mommy. They're falling right along. And what happens when one of the little ducks falls behind? It gets in trouble. What happens when a little duck gets out of the line? It gets in trouble. Have you ever seen the mama duck? And she's got the babies behind her, and then there's one duck off into it, like a little, uh, in like a little whirlpool, and it doesn't seem to be able to get itself out, and it's over there, and it's just going, quack, 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 and mom's a quacking, and mom's a quacking, and mom's going, get over here, get over here. Why? Because mom knows it's dangerous for her to get over there, too. Mom knows it's dangerous for her to take all of her babies over there. So mom has to keep her, her path straight, and she has to depend on that little baby to get itself straight. If that little baby doesn't get itself in line, guess what happens to that little baby? Not good things. Not good things. Yeah, it becomes lunch. That's exactly what it becomes. It becomes lunch. Our Jesus is the same way. He says, I'm walking the path of God. Now follow me, little children. Walk the path that I walk. He doesn't say, well, walk the path that I walk for a while, but then when you see a path that goes a different way, you go on that path, but then you keep one foot on my path. Because if one foot's on the path of Jesus and one foot's off into the world, both feet are in the world. Yep. You're out of alignment. You're out of alignment. You're out of alignment. It doesn't work. So if you're not a complete doer of the word, then you are basically uh, fodder or food for the devil. You're food for the devil. That's what you are. I want you to look at... uh, And he's going to eat your lunch. He's going to eat you, yes. I want you to look at... uh, This is by the Holy Ghost. These are not in my notes. So I've got to go find my scriptures, make sure I tell you the right way. Give me just a minute while I find it. I believe we're going to Peter as well. I believe we're going. Yes. I want you to go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. He says this in verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is always looking for the believer to get out of line with the Father. Because if you get out of line, you're like that little duck that's off out of line with Mommy. If you get out of line, then then Satan has every legal right, listen to me, he has every legal right to slurp you up like a slushie. That word devour, where it says be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is roaring like a lion. He's He's making a lot of noise in your mind. He's making a lot of noise in your mind. 
and and he's making all of that noise in your mind so that he can get you into a position that word devour literally means to slurp up so he's roaring he's making all of this noise so that you can get over in so that you will get over into sin you will get over into a position of of extreme weakness where he can just literally lick you up or slurp you like a slurpee in other words it's not going to be hard to take you out because you have chosen to take yourself down because you have chosen to not be a doer of the word well pastor what we're talking about today well we're talking about um that you uh your call and your assignment uh last week we began to talk about the vision of the church well what does this have to do with the vision of the church because many people think that their only job, their only assignment is to show up when the church doors are open, sit in the pew, say amen every now and again, and then go on their way. And then that makes that somehow that makes them okay with God. And that is not true. That's not true at all. The reason for the church, go to Ephesians. The reason for the church, the reason that you have a pastor is, is in Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 5. I have an Ephesians in here somewhere. I know I do. Ephesians chapter 5. Did I have that right? I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4 is the first verse we need. Ephesians 4 first. Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 8, and then we're going to skip 9 and 10, because we don't want to go off on that path. We're going to look at verse 8, then we're going to read verse uh, 11 and 12 are the, are the verses that we're going to read. So Ephesians 4, verse 8, 11, and 12. All right. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when Jesus, after he left hell, after he was on the earth for 40 days, teaching and doing many infallible works, uh, proofs. Uh, you find that over in Acts chapter 1. He ascended on high, and before he sat down on his throne, he gave gifts unto mankind. The gifts that he gave were the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now, I taught last week a little bit about that, uh, but I didn't fully explain the office of the uh, of the apostle um, so let me go back over these offices the office of the apostle what the New Testament the word apostle means sent one that's what it means it means a sent one and an apostle is one that is sent out into areas and into regions where the gospel of Christ is not yet established okay 
and he and and that apostle has certain giftings and and impartations from God, certain abilities from God that helps him to push back demonic activity, to push back the darkness in that area, and to establish Christianity in in that area. And how they establish Christianity in that area is, number one, they get people born again and living for Christ. Number two, they develop disciples. And in the development of disciples, they establish a church. And as they establish this church, God will raise up people within that church. God will raise up somebody in that church that will, in time, take the pastorship of that church. That apostle will turn that ministry of that church that they established over to that pastor, and then that apostle will go and do and, and go into another area and start the process all over again. That is the job of an apostle. We often call these people missionaries today. However, not everybody on the missionary field is fulfilling the office of apostle. Some of them are coming in and giving aid to the apostle through the office of evangelist. Some of them are coming in and giving aid to the apostle by fulfilling the role of pastor and teacher. Some are coming in and fulfilling the role of helps ministry, helping to build the church, helping to witness to people, helping to to do the work of Christ. Uh, you know, many of our missionaries are many of our missionary works today are are literally helps ministry. That's what most of our missionary is work today is uh especially in our nation because in our nation there is a work of christ that's established in basically every community in every community which is really sad because 70 percent of americans now it's 50 to 70 percent of americans don't don't know the they don't know the um they, they don't know the gospel of christ so the churches need to reevaluate their uh their plans from god in fact sad to say i'd say a large percentage of the churches in america are what's called dead churches they're they've lost their light they've lost their candlestick they've lost their anointing they no longer have an assignment from heaven they're not doing anything but the work of man and we saw last week that unless the lord establishes the ministry and keeps the ministry they labor in vain they labor in vain now, an apostle is also, there, there's a second position of apostle, and that apostle is an ascent one, which means that this apostle is sent with a specific message from heaven. Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan was an apostle to the world in our generation. What was the message? Go teach my people faith and a true move of the holy ghost he was the for his ministry started the forerunner uh work of the calling away of the church i'm gonna explain that a little better here shortly uh but i want to talk about these offices real quick an apostle is another person that can be an apostle is one that is sent with a very specific message, and they travel from church to church, ministry to ministry, giving that same message everywhere they go. That's a sent one. The next office is the office of the prophet. 
the office of a prophet. There's a whole lot of people that are standing in the prophets in the pastor's office calling themselves prophets. They're not actually prophets. If you had an if you had a legitimate prophet as your pastor, he'd kill all the people all the time. He would. Because the job of the prophet is to bring correction to the body of Christ. That's what they're to do. They're to bring correction. I said last week, I stood out there and I was looking at Brother Randy's. He legitimately stands in the office of the prophet. I stood out there and I was looking at his teachings. And I was like, correction, 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 Correction. What, he's, got, he's got things out there. Stop disrespecting the servants of God. In other words, stop treating the ministers like they're just another person on the street. He talked about uh, obedience in your finances. In other words, quit wasting your money. That's a tool for the kingdom. He talks about how to walk in forgiveness. Uh, how much you know. The Bible says if you don't forgive, your Father in heaven won't be able to forgive you. Uh, how much you know. That's correction. On and on and on again. Just message after uh, understanding judgment. The coming judgment of God. Uh, Correction. Judgment is. God's judgment is God's correction. That's the job of a legitimate prophet. Is to correct. Not to pet and pat everybody. And tell everybody they're going to be fine. That's not the job of the prophet. If you got a prophet that always says, oh, it's all going to be wonderful, it's all going to be sunshine, rainbows, and puppy toes, I would be very cautious. In fact, I probably wouldn't listen to him because we live in the days of sorrow, uh, which means <laughs> turbulent times are at hand. Uh, so that's, a, you know, and the other, now that's not the only job of a prophet. The other job of the prophet is to tell us what God is saying and doing in this day. In other words, their job is to declare what way God wants to take the church. One of the things that God wants to take, one of the messages uh, that Brother Randy's been talking about, that God's trying and endeavoring to get the church into, and he's been talking about it for years, is the end-time move of God that will usher in the calling away of the church. God is endeavoring to get his church clean so that his power can come on the people in their fullness. Listen, we've been praying for the power. The power's already been poured out. It was poured out on the day of Pentecost. The power has already been poured out. Well, then why, Pastor, is the church weaker today than it was on the day of Pentecost? Because the people today are filthy, dirty, are living filthy and dirty, and in that day they were living clean. What do you mean they're living filthy and dirty? They're living in sin. They're not living clean. They're not living clean, and therefore the power cannot flow. Listen, get over there in the book of Acts where it talks about Ananias and Sapphira. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you why Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. Because they disrespected the servant of God. They lied to the minister's face. The minister is an extension. When you stand in fivefold, when you stand in the fivefold office, I'm not elevating my, myself or Michael. 
But I'm telling you, when you stand in the fivefold office, when somebody stands in the fivefold office, they are an extension of the hand of Jesus. And when you lie to them, it's the equivalent to lying to Jesus' face. When you lie to Jesus, it's the equivalent of lying to the Father God. Really, really, when you lie to us, you're lying to the Holy Ghost. When you lie to the Holy Ghost, you lie to Jesus. When you lie to Jesus, you lie to the Father God. And the power of God was so thick in that day that no sin could stand, no active sin could stand in the presence of the ministers. And so when they actively lied to the ministers, immediately they dropped dead. Oh my goodness, what would happen to the church today if we had that type of reverence once again? If we had that type of fear once again, or if I lied to my pastor, man, I could just, I'd end up going to the grave prematurely. Boy, wouldn't that change the church? Boy, wouldn't that deal with the hypocrisy in the church real quick? Real quick. It straightens some people out. I got news for you. When somebody drops dead in a church because they just lied to the minister, uh, that'll get to everybody. (laughs) That'll get people running to the altar quick. Running. You better running out the doors because they're afraid to be there. They're going to be running (laughs) quick. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord, let me get clean. So the prophet has been saying God's trying to get us to this place of of being clean living so that the power can flow. So the power can flow. Now, back in their day, they didn't have as many distractions as we do today. They didn't have TV. They didn't have radio. They couldn't find out what was going on in the world in about two seconds flat. They didn't have all of this, you know, oh, I can get in my car and go. Good Lord, it took them an hour to get anywhere. I mean, it took them an hour just to get a little bit down the road. I mean. It take them all day to go to the store. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just an all, and it was a big to-do. You know, you had to get the horses and the buggies or you had to walk on foot. Can you imagine? Having to walk to town? Can you imagine? Come on. Would you, would, would you, would you, you've done it. Is it pleasant? Is it fun? You know, you, you know, think about where you live. Do you want to walk to Ingalls and get all your groceries and carry all your groceries home? Think about that. Well, that's the way they used to have to do it. People might not buy so much groceries if they had to do that. <laughs> we need so much junk food. That's for darn sure. Do I want to tote them potato chips and cakes and pizzas home? No, I don't. That's just too much work. So that's the job of the prophet is to is to talk, is to, to tell us what God is trying to do. Uh, one of the things that God that, that the prophet's been telling us is that God is shaking His church. Have you not seen some churches uh, come to the surface that have been in deep sin? Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it. I'm not calling it out that it wasn't already public. Remember Liberty University? Remember the head of that school uh, got called out for drinking and partying? With his students. Remember that? That happened not that long ago. Remember Hillsong got called out here just recently? On multiple occasions? Hillsong should have got called out way before they ever did. Because they had the naked cowboy on the stage at a women's conference. Now think about that. Talk about a dirty, filthy church. Come on. There's been other churches that have come to light too lately. Several of them several of them that have been called out lately. They're why? Because God is shaking the filth out of the church. He's been shaking. 
There's been pastors that have been leaving. There's been ministers leaving the, the pulpits by the thousands. I think it's something like 1,500 ministers a week have been leaving the ministry. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Why? Because they weren't called to those positions first in the first place. And, or some of them have been, and, and, but they've not had the support and aid and counsel that they needed. And so they've got burned out because they've been trying to do it according to man. I'm telling you what. I just got an email the other day about, oh, here's all this free software for your church. They've got apps now where you can schedule every minute of your service. There's absolutely no room for the Holy Ghost. We're going to do this from this time. We're going to do this at 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 this time. I can schedule it all on my phone. I can make all this schedule. I can send it out to my people, and I can say, you're doing this at these times, and everybody knows what they're going to do. Where's God in that? It's not. It's a production. It's a production. We've got technology back here that we use, uh, and we don't use 90% of, um, of the features in it because it doesn't leave room for the Holy Ghost. Well, you're just a boring church. No, we're a God church. We're a God church. How'd y'all get me over there? Mm. So that's the job of the prophet. Oh, shaking, the prophet. He's been talking about God shaking the church. God shaking the church, shaking the filth, the shaking the, the, the humans, the humanity out of the church. Now, when I say humanity, I'm not talking compassion. I'm talking about the fleshy, make human God church. He's shaking that out. Why? Because he's, he needs a true church to do his work. So that's the job of the prophet. The job of the evangelist is real simple. Preach Christ to the lost. That's their job. Preach Christ to the lost. We sat under a pastor that was not called to be a pastor, but was called to be an evangelist. And that was brutal. But every time that man preached Christ, he was so gifted and he was so anointed that every single time he preached Christ, even I wanted to get saved again. I mean, because the anointing was so thick. The presence of God was so thick. The, the, the power of God was so present. I mean, you just wanted to get up, run around, shout, and jump, and praise Jesus and receive him all over. I mean, you truly wanted to get born again, again, just so you could get in, just so you could hold on to that anointing. That's their job. That's their job. The evangelist is not meant for the church. Now, yes, the evangelist needs to come into the church and talk about the works that he does to make the people hungry for the work of the evangelist, to get the people praying for the work of the evangelist, to get people to partner with the evangelist so the evangelist can be sent out. But really, the office of the evangelist is, the, is ministry to the world. Yep. Ministry to the world. I, I am not. Pastor Mike, we are not evangelists. Not. Because I'm going to look at you and say, you old dirty sinner, what's wrong with you? Slap you around a few times. Shake you around, shake the sin out of you real hard, set you down, expect you to walk. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find your zipper, pull out, pull all the stupid out, put all the God in, zip you back up, and send you on your way. That's the job of the pastor. That's not the job of the evangelist. The job of the pastor is, now, some people, some people think that pastor is pastor, and teacher is teacher. 
But you cannot be an effective pastor if you are not an effective teacher. There are some ministers that are great at congregational care. There are some that are, I mean, they'll be at the hospital. They'll sit beside your bed. They'll, they'll help you. They'll encourage you. They'll edify you. They'll build you up. They'll get you into faith. I mean, they're just constantly checking on you. I mean, they're just good about being right there on top of the congregation. But their congregation is weak and untaught because they don't teach. This is why it says some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Because the pastor and teacher office goes side by side. I leaned very heavily in the pastor's office, obviously. Pastor Mike leans very heavily in the pastor's office. That's why God uses us together, because he's very sweet, and he's very kind, and he's very generous, and he's very, it's okay, you can do this, you're going to make it. And I'm like, stop being so soft, stop being so nice, get these people walking right. And there's a time for both. And there is a time for both. There's a time for both. Now, uh, what is the job of the pastor? The job of the pastor is is actually. Do you know the word pastor is only in the New is only in the Bible one time? The word pastor is only in the Bible one time, and it's right here in this verse. Most of the time, the word instead of the word pastor, most of the time the word is translated shepherd. Most of the time, it is, it is translated shepherd. And sometimes it's translated deacons. Correct. Other times, it's referred to as a deacon, the office of the pastor. The office of the pastor is sometimes in the Bible referred to as um, bishop. The pastor is to have oversight over a congregation of followers of Christ. And it's our job... To teach, go to the next verse, to teach this right here, verse 12, we're to teach until all of you come into the unity of the faith. Oh, there we go. Nope, go back. Go back to 12. I thought that was off. Go back to 12. We are to teach you until you are mature saints. That word perfecting means mature, means grown up. We're to teach you how to stop sinning. And now, now notice that this, it does, the verse doesn't end right there. We're to teach you to be mature saints. Yes. For, to, sit, to, for to keep the pews warm? Mm-mm. No. For, for, for to, to sit and take notes? No. For, so you can, so you can, you can live a good life and 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 follow Christ and 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 just and stay in line with Him. That's good, but that's not what it says. It says for the work of the ministry, we're all to be doing the work of the ministry. Me and Robbie's ministry? No, God's ministry. Our job as pastors is to teach you and train you to live clean, live like Christ. And go out into the world and do the work of Christ. And we're supposed. To, and That's when we job. go out in the world, we're supposed to teach the body of Christ. Now, is the body of Christ out in the world? Well, a lot of it is. A lot of Sadly. it should be in here. These 
chairs should all be full. Sadly. And they're not because we're not going out there and edifying the body of Christ and bringing them in to where they are, belong. That's, but, but here's the deal. That's not Mike and Michael's job. That's your job. Well, there I is, mean, there, it is partly our job. Yes. I, we're not discounted. I mean, yes, we have a part in it. But let me be very clear what this scripture says. Our job as pastor is to teach you and get you so you can go out there and do the work. We're gifted for teaching in here. And we're not picking on you guys. If you go into any church in this community, you're going to find the same problem. Yes. I'm talking pastor's job. church as a whole. Talking pastor's job as a whole. Our job is to teach you and train you. What specifically are we supposed to teach you and train you in? Well... God assigns every church an assignment. If it's a God-called church, these churches that are like uh, Missionary Baptist Church, when that church was established, according to their name, their assignment from God was to send out missionary works. Missionary. It's in the title. Or it may have been established by a missionary. That's, That's in the title. Mostly, you know missionary uh, or missionary first whatever missionary you know but they but here's the question are they sending anybody out maybe they are maybe they aren't i don't know that that's independent churches but see every church has some churches are to i I know another church uh their assignment from god is to be an oasis of love in other words they're they're to be a house where people can come in and experience the true love of God. That's their assignment, is to facilitate. And when, they, and when their people go out into the world, their people are to show and display the true love and mercy of Christ. That's what the assignment of those people are. That's the assignment for that church, is to go out and show the love of Christ. Another church's assignment might be uh, to evangelize, to evangelize. They've got a heart for people. Their job is to be a soul-winning church. That's their job. Their pastor's got a heart to be a soul winner. He can stand in the office as a pastor, and he can get out on the street and preach and proclaim Christ and bring people in. Or she, doesn't matter. There's all kinds of assignments from heaven. What is our assignment? Our assignment is the same. So in in May of 1950, May of 1950, now that was before Michael and I were even born. Way before. Way before we were born. Almost before my parents were born. (laughs) Not too far about it. Not too far about it. In May of 1950, the Lord Jesus commissioned Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen to go teach his people, God's people, faith. Because there's a lack in the body of Christ. Of to, uh, uh, there, there's a, there's even today. So that was 1950. So this is what, 73 years later? Is that right? Did I do my math right? That's 73 years later, there's still a deficit in understanding faith in the body of Christ. There's still a deficit 73, late, 73 years later. 
1974, he established Rama Bible Training Center to train and teach ministers to go out and to help teach faith. Our founding pastor, Reverend Tommy Fields, carried that mantle of go teach my people faith. That's the mantle that he carried. Now, from 1950 into 1974, there was a transition because God had raised up uh, other ministers like Reverend Charles Capps, who was an excellent teacher in faith, and some other ones. He said, he told that, the Lord told Dad Hagen, he said, I've now raised up other ministers, Jerry Savell, there's some other ones out there that are very good at teaching faith. They're getting the message out. Now I need you to teach a true move of the Holy Ghost because if it's not taught, it will be lost to an entire generation. And the move of the Holy Ghost is almost completely lost in the church today. Almost completely lost today. In fact, a few years back when there was this split of, with the churches, with what God calls the informational church, where the pastors get up and don't give much more than a book report, and the revelational churches where, they, where we teach out of a revelation of the understanding of the Word of God, when that split came down the road, at that point, many churches put the Holy Ghost in the box and said, don't let the Holy Ghost move in your services. Many stopped doing altar calls. Many stopped laying hands on people. Many stopped giving calls for salvation. Many churches did. Many ministers that used to do that, while used to work in that flow, said, oh, that's not popular anymore. That's not the way God's going. And the reason they did that is because they were following the man, Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan, instead of the ministry that came through the man. We're not following the man. We're following the ministry, the mandate that came. So we've never put our Holy Ghost in the box. Well, when I was under a pastor that required me to, I put it in the box as far as I possibly could. But this church, this ministry, will not and has not and will never put the Holy Ghost in a box. Amen. Never. Why? Because the dispensation of the Holy Ghost is the current move of God. It's the move of the Holy Ghost that's going to usher in the calling away of the church. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to take us into the seven years tribulation, which, we have, which, the, which the world has to go through so that Jesus can return to the earth. Return to the earth. So, I remember in 2004, I believe it was 2004, I'm pretty sure it was 2004, might be 03, but I'm pretty sure it was 2000. No, it was 2004. I know it was. Uh, our pastor, Pastor Tommy, we were having Thursday night prayer. And Thursday night prayer was where those that were considered staff, I mean, anybody could come, but if you were staff, you were, you were required to be there. Now, when I say staff, I'm not talking paid position. I'm talking you filled, a, you filled an important role in the church. Uh, if you were considered staff, you were to be there on Thursday nights and you were to pray out the plan and the will and the purpose of God. And so that's what we did. And so we were there on a Thursday night and I was, I was, I came under great conviction of God because uh, Dad, Dad Hagen had gone home. Some of the other fathers of faith were going home. Uh, some other ones were getting ready to go home, and I came under great conviction of the Holy Ghost, and I remember saying to the Lord, 
Lord, these fathers of old are carrying mantles. In other words, a mantle is a mission, an assignment from God. They have an assignment from God, like go teach my people faith and a true move of the Holy Ghost. I said, Father, if they're, it, it, when they go home, if somebody does not pick up the mantle, their assignments will be lost. And under the unction of the Holy Ghost, I remember saying, Father, I mean tears streaming down my face, because I'm the type of person that I don't like to be up front. I don't like to be in the limelight. I don't like to be, I, just put me in the back and let me run your ministry, let me run the behind the scenes portion of your ministry so that you can get out there and preach without stress. That's my heart's desire. But I remember I was sitting there, just tears streaming down my face, and I said, Lord, if there's nobody that will pick up Dad Hagen's mantle, if there's nobody that will pick up Lester Summerall's mantle, if there's nobody that will pick up uh, Oral Roberts' mantle. I didn't even know. I didn't even fully understand who these people were or what their mantle was. I had no idea that Lester Summerall's mantle was largely casting out demons. I had no clue. I had no clue that that was his mantle. No clue whatsoever. Be careful what you ask for. Huh? I said, Lord, if nobody will pick up their mantle, I'll do it. Because your move and your power and your ministry cannot be lost. Because if it's lost, people will die and go to hell. Lo and behold, Lord took, the Lord took me at my word. The Lord took me at my word. Oh, Lord Jesus. And on that day, we picked up, go teach my people faith. But here's the deal. We were not in the pulpit at that time. I was nobody. I, I, I was. I was nobody but. A, but a, I was. I was just a person in the pew. At that point, I was not a youth minister. I was a youth leader. Our assignment was spend time with the teenagers. Just, 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 just spend time with them. Talk to them about God a little here and there, but just spend time with them. That was our assignment at that point. But God was already moving. God was already working. That was our assignment from the pastors, was just spend time with them. Talk to them a little bit about God, but just spend time with them. Let them be around you. Okay, Lord. Okay, Pastor. Listen, you want to grow up in God? Put yourself around somebody that's higher in God than you. Stop hanging out with the sinners. Stop it. If you hang out with a sinner, you will be a sinner. I was teaching people faith. I'd sit down at the dinner table and have people come over to our house, and I'd just sit down with them, and I'd teach them faith. Not just, not just church members, my family. They got tired of being taught faith, so they quit coming. They said, every time you go to her house, she's going to teach you about Jesus. Yes, I am. That's the way you should be. But how about you know, every time Jesus sat down, he taught. Every time Jesus sat down, he taught. He sent out his 12 disciples when they weren't even sure that he was the Messiah. They were still questioning it. And he said, you've been around me. You see how I behave. Now go do what I do. Are you aware of that? He's over there. He's like, I'm casting out demons.
demons, cast out demons. I teach, I 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 cast out demons, and I heal the sick. Now he turned around to his disciples. He said, you've seen me do it. Now you go do it. Guess what, disciples' house? You've seen us do it. Now you go do it. You go do it. Your assignment, by default, because God placed you under our shepherdship, because God placed you little sheep in our field, your assignment is to go teach faith. Well, pastor, I'm not a teacher. Teach it by how you live. Teach it by what you say. Teach it by what you do. Faith is in action. Faith is the substance of things hoped for but not yet seen. Glory to God. James and Sue were out here planting the plants the other day. And she said, you know, they said, well, these, these, these things, they just lose water. And so we're just not sure how they're going to do. And I said, just plant them in the ground. Do the best you can. Tell them that you, you, you speak to them, say everything you let, the words of God, your word says everything I laid my hands to will prosper. Therefore, these plants must prosper. Therefore, I command them to grow. Now grow in Jesus' name. And Sue said, that's why I like being around you. You're so positive. What was I doing? I was teaching faith. Amen. How hard is that? Is that something y'all can't do? No, that's something you can do. You can do that. Just teach it. I know Bridget, Bridget got, Bridget's got a hold of this vision. She was driving her car some time ago, and, and there was fog. This was quite, this was quite a while ago. She was, she was driving, and fog or rain or something came in, and a co-worker was in her car. She started to speak to that stuff. And then it lifted, and they looked at her like, she said, oh, my pastor said I could do it, so I'm going to do it. And she did it, and it worked. How much she know that person learned faith that day? Amen. Come on. Come on. Lay hands on the sick. Listen, take your Bible and say, it says right here, if you're sick, I can lay hands on you and that you will recover. Amen. So I'm going to lay my hand on you. I'm going to declare that you're healed, and then you're going to recover. Amen. Guess what? That's teaching faith. Yes, it is. That's teaching faith. It's teaching faith. Her and Brooke went and prayed for Miss Patty before surgery. That's teaching faith. And now look, Miss Patty's in the church. Praise God. This is how this is how you this is how it works. This is how it works. So we're called to teach people faith in Christ. Go look at First Timothy two seven. What is that scriptural? Well, it was good for Timothy. I mean, it was good for Paul. Paul told Timothy to do it, so I guess it's good for us. First Timothy chapter. Uh, 2, verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth of Christ and lie not. Uh-oh. What did he do? He spoke the truth He spoke of the truth and lie not. Listen, we can't be lying and expecting God to move. Come on. A teacher of Gentiles in faith and verity. What does this say? A teacher of Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? In our, in our time, the Gentiles are the equivalent to the non-believers. To the non-believers. He said, I am, let's just summarize this real short. He said, I am ordained a teacher. I am ordained a teacher. That word ordained means to be set in place for a specific task. Each and every one of you have been set in place for the task of teaching faith, just like Paul was. Just like Paul was. Just like the disciples were. Go to Matthew 10.8. Matthew 
here, John, here, Jesus is getting ready to send out the 12. We'll pick up in verse 5 so you can see the fullness of it. All right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. Now, the reason that he told the, the disciples not to go to the Samaritans, but to only go to the Jews is because they were still at this point. Jesus had not yet been to the cross. At this point, they were still under the old covenant, and God was only available to the Jews at that time. And that's why he said, go to the Jews only. But notice, the Jews were people that should have already had faith. The Jews should have already been walking in healing. The Jews should have already been walking free from the, the hands of the, from the works of Satan. Notice, but, but here, Jesus sent the disciples, his followers, his little ducklings. He said, you've watched me a while. Now go swim on your own. Keep reading it. All right. So then it goes on to say in verse 6, but go, rather, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the ones that have fallen away. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, he said, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Who, so so let's, let's talk about who would be the lost sheep of Christians. The lost sheep of Christians are, are people that say, I know Christ. I belong to Christ. Oh, yeah, I'm saved, but they're not in church. And they're not living according to the word. These are lost Christians. Now that's a contradiction in terms. Because Christian means follower of Christ. And lost means you're lost. You don't know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. So a lost Christian would be a Christian that has lost their walk with God. Yes. And they need somebody to come and, and teach them and talk to them and, and bring them back in to the fold of the family of Christ. Bring them back in to their heavenly assignment. And here's the deal. Many Christians that are out of the church are out of the church. Um, Holy Ghost. They are out of the church because they were going to church at a dead church. And therefore they got church hurt. Because they were, they were in church with a carnal pastor, with carnal people, and they were not treated according to the word. Sorry, that's the reality. So in verse 7 it says, And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh my. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, Freely have ye received, now freely give. So we've received the freedom of Christ. We've received our measure of faith. We've received the ability to put sin away. We've received the Holy Ghost. Now it's our job, your job, to go out and give it to others. Now, but I want you to notice what he says right here in verse 7. He said, go preach. That word preach simply means to proclaim. Go proclaim. And he says this. He, sa he says, go proclaim. And this is what you're to pro proclaim. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, back up here in Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 3.
Go to chapter, Matthew chapter 3. Let me find it. This wasn't on my list. Uh, John three or Matthew three three. Let's read uh, Matthew. Uh, actually, Matthew three verse two. All right. This is John speaking. We can read verse one. That way they know. Just keep <laughs> okay. backing up. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, "Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Keep going. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist declared, Get ready, the Lord is coming. He preached, Get ready, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get ready, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. That's what he preached. Jesus gets water baptized right here at the end of the chapter. He gets water baptized in verse 13, verse, uh, starting, uh, about verse 15, he gets water baptized. Now, go over to chapter 4, verse 17. Now, this is Jesus after he's water baptized. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent simply means change your direction, change your thinking. Listen to me. It means change what you think. Write that down. Repent means to change what you think and what you do. What you think and what you do. Because when you're in the world, you think you can't help but sin. But when you get into the presence of God, God makes you able to not sin. The world says, oh, it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. God says sex is reserved for the marriage bed. The world says it's okay to lie. Everybody does it. The Bible says, Jesus says, don't lie. The world says it's okay to cuss and be profane. The Bible says to depart from all profaneness. Uh, how much do you know you've got to, the Bible tells us not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Amen. In other words, your mind has to change. Your mind has to change. Your thinking has to change. My thinking had to change. In order for Michael and I to have a successful marriage, our thinking on marriage had to change. As broken individuals, we thought if we had somebody to help us fix our brokenness, we would be okay. Little did we know that both of us being broken, all that created was a broken marriage. We had to change. Because marriage is not about me. Marriage is about the other person. Amen. I personally, there are things that my husband enjoys that I do not enjoy. There are. There are. There's movie there he he's a big sci fi fan. I grew up with my dad and my stepdad being a sci fi fan. I wanted to get away from sci fi. Guess what? I jumped right into the pond of sci fi. Oh dear Lord in heaven, Jesus changed his thinking, please. And and God's been working on us. Or working on him. It's it's but how much you know? 
I endured sci-fi movies that I didn't care about because he wanted to go see it. It's not about me. It's about him. Now, I'm not really super girly. When, when somebody says, hey, come on, let's go outside. Let's go do this, let's go do this job. And I look at it and I go, I'm going to get dirty. Like, that's my girly moment. Like, that's, that's like, that's my, uh, like, seriously, I have to get out here. I have to get sweat. I have to get sweaty and dirty and uh, no. But because my husband needs my help, guess what? I get out there and I do it. I help him. I help him. I don't like taking care of the chickens. That's what mom's for now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know what? If he's gone and I have to, I have to. I help him. We, he helps me. And he helps me. I help him. Guess what? Our thinking had to change. Our thinking had to change. So that's what repent. So when Jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you've got to change your thinking. That's what repent means, is to change your thinking. And why do we have to change? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, John was preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because make, make, your, make your pathway straight, because Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. Guess what? Jesus is coming, and he's coming very, very, very soon. And everything that God does is by patterns and borders. If there was a forerunner of Jesus Christ before, there has to be a forerunner of Christ now. John was the forerunner. John was the one that came before Jesus and said, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get clean, get ready. The Messiah is coming. Well, guess what? If John, if there, if John was the forerunner and before Jesus came, there has to be a forerunner today. The difference is, is John was a single man. This is a movement that came. This is a this is an assignment from heaven that came through a single man, but it went out to the body of Christ. Who was the man? Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen. And he taught people to prepare people for the coming of Christ. Our assignment, your assignment, is to help get people ready for Christ's return. Okay? That's your job. That's a big job, Pastor. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. Well, how do I get, how, how, how do I get people ready? Start with yourself. Start with yourself. Get yourself ready. And by your lifestyle, you will default be preaching, get ready. It's interesting. When I'm teaching on the rapture, and, I'm teaching, and we're teaching Revelations, and I say, okay, for example, if I don't go out of here in the rapture, inevitably somebody in the church goes, oh, pastor, if you're not going, I am definitely in trouble. Well, why? Because they're watching me, and they're going, she's getting ready. Well, if they're watching me, they're watching you. They're watching you. This is how you get people ready. What, 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 what does it look like to get ready? Well, go to Ephesians chapter 5. What is Jesus coming back for? The scriptures are very simple. 
Now, I can give you two and three witnesses on all of these, but and I am to some degree, but we've got to get through all of these points. So, Ephesians chapter 5 says this in, uh, well, let's pick up at verse 15. Okay. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In other words, make sure that you walk according to God. Don't walk suspiciously. Walk, walk according to God. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. <laughs> Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the Lord, will of the Lord is. Listen. Redeeming the time. Let's talk about redeeming the time. For 10 years, for about 12 years, Michael and I were out of the plan of God, out of the will of God, and in the world. We can, we can look back at our life, and we can see that God was positioning us to be under the pastorship of Pastor Tommy Fields in 1998 and 1990. Why, well, why can we see that? Because every time I drove past the billboard of that, like, I mean, you drive past 50 churches anywhere you go. But you never paid any attention to them. But there was a billboard by a church, and every time I drove by that church, I never failed to see that sign. And I always went, huh, I wonder what that is. That's maybe there was a draw in my spirit. I didn't know what my spirit was, but there was a draw to be there. But I was too much in the world and too, I was, I was honestly too much of a rebellious teenager to follow God. Let's just be honest. Graduated. Michael's in the military. Woo! Off in the military we go. What do we do? Years go by. We're in the devil's clutches. My stepfather dies. The day my grandfather gets the news, he quits on life. He gets the calls in the bed and quits. Six months later, he moves to heaven, which is mom's dad. So my mom, her husband and her, dad, and, her and her father passed away six months apart. Those were two of the strongest. Those were her two strong supports. If she was, a, if, she, if if her life was a tripod, she just lost two of her three legs. Talk about devastation. My and Michael's marriage was horrible. We just found out that we, we had just been told that we would never have children, even with the help, even with medical science, even with the help of medical science, the chances of us having children was slim to none. We weren't living for God. They said, "Now we can do this thing, this process. We now know it's called IVF or um, in vitro and all that." Uh, uh, he said, but chances are, because back at that day, that was just the beginning of it. He said, more than likely, he said, it's going to be really hard for you to get pregnant that way, but if you do get pregnant, more than likely you're going to have four to six kids. Now, I was not living for God at the time, but I had enough sense to look that doctor in the eye and say, this much I know, humans were not created to have litters. So that is not an option. It's amazing how God will give you wisdom even when you walked away from him. Then I got in a car, then, then we got in a car, I mean, we were living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, we were making good money, but Satan was eating our lunch. I mean, as fast as money was coming in, it was pouring out. I mean, we, we couldn't keep up. Michael was working, he was working a really good day job, and, and even a part-time, nighttime job, and I was working 
40 to 60 hours on the same job at the same place. I mean, we were working like dogs and we could not get financially ahead. Then I got T-boned in the driver's door and then I couldn't work. Our life was in shambles. My back got injured to the point that I could not even uh, dress myself completely. It was everything I could do to put on a t-shirt and sweatpants. My mom actually, my mom and my husband actually had to brush my hair for me because I was in so much pain. We were devastated. We were in a, we were living in total destruction. Meanwhile, my mom starts talking to me about this church that she's going to and this move of the Holy Ghost. And she talks, starts talking to me about how when, when, when Richard died, there was this pain in the chest and then she went to this church and long story short, I'm cutting out a whole lot of pieces. I'm just hitting the highlights. But long story short, she had this pain in her chest. The pastor said, is there somebody dealing with depression? She raised her hand, thought I can't possibly be the only one. She was the only one. She went up for prayer. She, he was like, sister, I'm not going to embarrass you, but come up here. And so she went up there. Two, uh, two, two guys walked up behind her. She's thinking, what in the world is this? They stood behind her. Catch her in case the Holy Ghost fell, but we didn't know that. And, and she, he said, do you know? He, she, he, the, the pastor said, do you know Jesus? She said, yeah, I know Jesus. He said, she said, he said, do you know the Holy Ghost? She said, yeah, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The Holy, uh, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. Yep, I know the Holy Ghost. He said, good. Raise your hands to heaven and just receive. She said, oh, okay. And so he prayed. And when he prayed, she said that pain split in her chest, went across her chest, out her arms and up her, uh, through her arms and out her fingertips, and she's not had a pain in a day since. I said, well, that's just freaky, Mom. I said, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that, but that's just weird. Then she called me a while later and said, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I know we're dealing with this whole infertility thing and all that, but I got to tell you what happened at church today. I said, what are you talking about? She said, there's a couple in our church. They've been, they've been believing God for a baby for what, 16 years, 14, I think it was 16 years. Been believing God for 16 years for a baby. In fact, the woman was getting ready to go in and have a hysterectomy because they thought she had a tumor or something. So they went in to do the last ultrasound before they did the hysterectomy the following week, and they figured out from the ultrasound that she's eight months pregnant. I said, hey, no, what, no. She said, no, it's true. She said, it's true. And she wasn't no young lady either. No. No, no young lady at all. No young lady at all. That baby was born. Now, that baby, uh, unfortunately, had some heart defects because she didn't know she was pregnant. Uh, but that baby lived to five years old. We knew that baby. We held that baby in our arms, her little neck, and we just held her and we just loved her. And uh, she went in to go in for surgery. And, uh, unfortunately, the scar tissue uh, was in such a way that she did not survive the surgery. So that sweet baby's in heaven today. That sweet baby's in heaven today. But that sweet baby, since then, mom and dad had another son and another daughter. They had another son and another daughter. And I said, so mom said, and then there was all these other crazy things that were happening. And my sister and I were convinced that mom was in a cult. Because we grew up in the Episcopal Church, and things like that do not happen in the Episcopal Church. It's all ceremony and na 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 na. And the Episcopal Church that there is today and the Episcopal Church I grew up in are two very different churches. Very different churches. Very different churches. How did y'all get me over here talking about the call, the anointing, the purpose? So it went. Went to that church to prove that, that church was a cult, found out it wasn't a cult, found out that it was the one true God. 
talking about God working in our life 20 years later. That was in 2000. That was in, so I went to this church in, two, in January of 2000. And uh, in, in January of 2003, we stepped into ministry. But see, God, had we followed God's plan, recouping the time, that's where we were at. See, we were supposed to be at that church in 1990. Had we gone to that church in 1990, we would have gone to Ramah. We would have actually sat under Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan. But we didn't. We were rebellious and we were out of line with God's plan for our life. We did not get back on path until 2000. And until 2000. And you see how he used the devastation of Satan to bring us back into his plan? Now, God didn't send Satan. God did not send all of those evil things. Every bit of that was the work of Satan. Well, and we opened ourselves up to that. And we opened, that, and we opened ourselves up to that because of the sin in our life. Because, oh, yeah, we were sinning. I got the tattoos to prove it. We were sinning. And uh, so we opened ourselves up to that. But God took what the devil intended for destruction, and he turned it to our good. And he got us back in line, and he worked very, very fast. From, from January 2000 to January 2003, he made up 12 year, 10 years of our life. He recouped the time. He got us back in line with ministry. Now, well, did you get to go to school under Kenneth E. Hagin? No, because he went home in 2003. However, God supernaturally connected us with Brother Randy, who sat directly under Kenneth E. Hagin and has stayed with the teachings and the revelations that have come through him, through Kenneth Hagin all those days. He walks with the same mandate that we walk with. And because you're the little sheep in our field, you have the same mandate to go teach people faith. Let's keep reading. But and I said all of that to say this, God can recoup your time if you will surrender everything to him. If you will surrender. Well, I was in sin for a year. I was in sin for five years. I was in sin for 30 years. I was in rebellion for 40 years. God, if you'll give him everything you have, he is able to recoup your time and get you back in right standing with him. Let's keep reading. All right. Where are we? Redeeming the time. Verse 16. Gotcha. We didn't get very far. So, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, look at this, he said, don't be stupid. I'm just summarizing. He said, therefore, be, uh, be ye not unwise. Let me put it in plain English. Don't be stupid. Let, me just be, let me just be honest. Unwise is, yep, I got you. Don't be stupid. Do what the Father's will is. Make it your habitual habit to not get drunk on wine. In other words, don't drink anything intoxicating. Definitely, you know, don't get into it. 
uh, but be filled with the Spirit. You are to be spirit, you are to be spirit filled with the Holy Ghost. You're supposed to speak to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. That's what you fill your brain with. Amen. You do not fill your brain with the thoughts of the world. You fill your brain with the praises of God. That's what you fill your brain with. The word of God, the praises of God. And, and you make a habit of thanking him always for everything in life. Well, does that mean I'm... See, I was taught in my church that you're supposed to thank God for the sickness. No, dear Lord in heaven, don't thank God for sickness. Sickness is from the devil. No, you thank God that you have the opportunity to use faith to get out of the sickness. You thank God that you have the ability to repent from the sin that opened the door to the sickness. Now, let me say this. Because uh, I always qualify it. Now, just because sickness is in your life doesn't mean that you have sin. We say that too often. If sickness comes in your life, you better check and see if there's any sin. Amen. Let me just be real clear. If sickness and disease comes into your life, you better check up and make sure there's no sin in your life. Because sin is the open door to sickness. Sin is the open door to sickness. Uh, I heard, I was listening to, to a thing by, uh, Ken, I was listening to one of his sermons, Dad Hagen's sermons yesterday, day before, and uh, he pointed this out. He said, uh, Reverend Dowie, I believe it was Dowie that said, he said, sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its mother, sin, and father, Satan. Let me say that again. Sickness and disease is the foul offspring of the mother's sin and its father, Satan. In other words, when you, are, when you yield to Satan and you sin, you're going to create sickness and disease in your life. And I'm being real hard on that because a lot of times we go, now just because there's sickness in your life doesn't mean that there's any sin in your life. And people go, oh, okay, well, there's no sin, so I don't have to, I don't have to examine myself. No, examine yourself. Examine yourself. It, ought to, it honestly ought to be the first thing you look for. That's exactly right. Where is the open door, Jesus? Where? Let's keep going. All right. Verse 21. Yep. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, this is a husband and wife verse, but more importantly, this is a church verse. Paul did not just go off in the middle of saying what the will of God is and started talking about husbands and wives. He was using the husband and wife relationship to explain the person in the pew's relationship with the church and with Jesus. As a wife, because my husband loves me. Now listen to me. Listen to me, wives. If your husbands are abusive, you don't submit to them. If your husbands are taking you out of the will and the plan of God, you don't submit. You always submit to God first and then your husband. If you have a godly husband, he will be submitted to God and he will never, he will never take you out of the will and plan of God. 
You understand that? This is why it is so critical that you marry people of like and precious faith that will lead you into the hands of God and not out of the hands of God. So, Michael, one, the re, you know, I, I, I mentioned our marriage was just awful. It's because neither one of us knew the love of God, neither one of us knew how to love each other, and we were mean and hateful to each other. And there was no way I was submitting to that. Ain't no way. I am too much of a redhead for that nonsense. However, when my husband, when God got a hold of my husband, and my husband got a hold of the love of God, and he began to love me with the love of God, my heart melted for my husband, and I happily submit to him. I happily submit. He says, we're doing this. Praise God, we're going to go do it. He says, we're not doing that. Praise God, we're not going to go do it. Now, does that mean that I don't have to get my feelings and my emotions in check from time to time? Yeah, from time to time, I'm going to get my emotions in check. He says, I need you to do that. Okay, I'll go do it. He says, I, you know, let's not do Okay, whatever he wants. That's the way the church is to be towards Christ. Christ, because you love me so much, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do. You tell me not to get tattoos, I'm not getting tattoos. You tell me not to cuss, I'm not going to cuss. You tell me not to drink, I'm not going to drink. You tell me not to have any type of sexual contact, which is intimate contact with another person. If I'm not married to them, I'm not having contact with them. Whatever you say, Jesus, you told me to be a doer of the word, I'm going to be a doer. Jesus, you told me to put praises in my mouth and thanksgiving in my mouth at all times, that's what I'm going to do. You told me to meditate on the word day and night. I'm going to meditate day and night. What am I doing? I'm, we, the members of the church, each and every one of you, have an obligation to submit to Christ. And now, now people get in the ditch on this. But you have an obligation to submit to the leadership of your pastor. Now people get in the ditch. I didn't, you don't need to come to Pastor Mike and I to, for you to hear from God. That's Old Testament. You don't need our approval for who you marry. Well, you might, because if you want us to marry him. I mean, honestly, if you want us to marry you, you got to deal with some stuff. But, I, but even at that, we're going to sit you down. We're going to go through six weeks, of six weeks of marital counseling. We're going to say, this is what the Bible says. If you're a member of our church and you say, but this is who I want, we're going to say, here's your problems, but if that's what you want, okay, as long as you do what we tell you to do as far as going through the stuff. And we're going to sit you down and say, I don't think this is a good idea, but if that's what you really want, and when it falls apart, it's where we'll be, you know. Our job, is to, our job is to tell you, quit lying, quit stealing, quit cussing, quit doing this, quit doing that, quit behaving this way. Quit, stop, don't do that. It's your job to actually do it. But by submitting to us and what we instruct you in, you submit to God. That's what he's talking about here. Now, now some, of, some of y'all I know are saying, now, Pastor, you know, God, God tells, you what to, tells you what to do, and then you tell us. You know, I, God doesn't speak to me the way he does to you. Well, you know what? Ninety-nine percent of what we tell you to do, God told us to do from right here. It's all in there in this book, and it's all there for you to look at too. Yep. God's already told you 
We're just helping you to open the book to look at it and, and see where to look. And uh, we're teaching but you, you how to understand it. But you can do it for it. yourself. And, and you should be. Does that mean, well, if I can look at it for myself, does that mean I don't need a pastor? No, you need a pastor because the pastor has a gift to understand the word and to explain the word and to help you receive the word. There's things that will happen in your life and go on in your life. There's things in us that you need. That's why you need a pastor. Let's keep reading because we're talking about Jesus coming back. Right. What is he coming back for? All right. Uh, okay. 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is coming back. This Jesus is actually the calling away of the church. When the church is called away, this is the church that's being called away. The church that's being called away is one that has been cleansed with the washing of the Spirit-spoken word. Where it says uh, the word, that in the Greek is the word rhema. It means the Spirit-spoken word. If you have a pastor that all they do is give you book reports, are you getting washed by the Spirit-spoken word? No. You need a pastor that will preach by the unction of the Holy Ghost, that will preach by the, uh, by the sudden inspiration of the Spirit, that will say the Spirit-spoken word that you need to hear that day in your time. So Jesus is coming back with a church for, for a church, for a people, for a people that are washed by the Spirit-spoken word, that are glorious. It says that, he might present to himself. In other words, when he calls the church away, he's calling his bride, he's calling his followers, he's calling his wife, and his, when his wife arrives, she needs to be glorious, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but should be holy and without blemish. Now, Jesus now is not coming back. Let me make this statement. Jesus is not coming back. He's not going to call away the sinful church. He's not. If you're living with any sin in your life and you think you're going out of here in the rapture, you are likely deceived. Yes. He would be a hypocrite if and he did that. Now, now, why would why why do we why does the church have to be holy without spot spot and without blemish? Why? Well, Jesus was when he died on the cross for us, and it's only just and right that we be for him when it's our turn to be called up. That's right. That's right. So what is the part? So, so what are we, what are we, how are we preparing people? We're helping people to get the sin out of their life. Now, if you're in the house or you're online and you go, oh, my gosh, but I have sin in my life, don't freak out and don't quit. Don't freak out. Don't quit. Don't panic. What you need to do is you need to stay planted, you need to get into the Word, you need to study for yourself, you need to hang around the pastor or hang around the non-sinners in the church, and you need to begin to emulate us, and you need, when you see that there's a sin in your life, and God's talking to you about it, and God says, hey, you've got this one area right here I want you to clean up, then work to clean that area up. 
when you get that area cleaned up, God's going to say, good job, I'm very proud of you. Now, while you maintain that, I want you to now take care of this sin over here. Get that one out of your life. And when you get that one cleaned up and you successfully are not doing that sin anymore, here God will go, okay, good. Now I need you to maintain both of those. And here's the next area that you need to clean up. Now here's what you don't do. You don't clean up area one, two, and three. And then God says, okay, you're doing really good. I think you're at the point where now you can work on four and five at the same time. Because you've got some experience, you're doing good, let's keep this going, but don't forget to maintain one, two, and three. While you're working on four and five, don't, don't stop maintaining one and two and maintain three. If you, once you get an area clean, keep it clean. Once you stop a sin, keep it out of your life. Don't let it creep back in. If you're a smoker... And, you, and God says, hey, I want you to deal with that. And you get the smoking out of your life. And then he goes, okay, well, you did really good with that. That's really good. Now, I want you to deal with the social drinking. Okay, so you stop social drinking. So now you're not smoking. You're not social drinking. You're doing really good. God says, okay, now I need to talk to you about your lying problem. Well, God, I only tell white lies. A lie is a lie. So I need to get your lying under control. Oh, Lord. You can use, I don't know if I can do this. That sounds kind of stressful. You know, I, I use cigarettes to, to help me deal with the stress. No, no, no. I, I, I've paid the price for you. I've gotten it. I, I, I'm going to be right there to help you. You're going to be able to overcome it without having to sweat blood. I promise. Just keep it. So you get the drinking out of your life. You get the smoking out of your life. You get the, you get the lying, the lying out of your life. And then the Lord says, now stop gossiping. Oh, Jesus, that's my lifeline. That's my entertainment. Now, Jesus, now, Jesus, you're meddling. You're meddling. How am I going to know what's going on if I don't gossip, Jesus? Oh, this is, this is stressful, Jesus. But okay, Jesus. And not only that, how am I going to know what to pray for these people if I'm not gossiping? Right? Oh, Jesus, my prayer life is going to be affected because I don't know how to pray. Oh, Jesus, my gossip. When you're working on the gossip and that gets hard and stressful, don't pick the cigarettes back up. Jesus, I'm trying not to gossip. Oh, Jesus, I just need to puff on this so I don't start gossiping. Or, 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 or better yet, <laughs> I know, I know smoking's bad for me, so I'm going to start this vaping oh, stuff. Oh, Lord, but. Jesus. Don't do that. That's worse. That's worse. Come on. i got to lighten the mood a little bit. Y'all were looking stressed out. <laughs> So as I said, if you, what are we doing? We're getting you ready. We're getting you ready. Now, here's the most amazing thing. Once you get ready, once you get the sin out of your life, once you get all of that out of you, and you're walking clean, and you're walking with Jesus, and you're meditating on the Word, and you're praying in the Holy Ghost, and you're singing and you're praising, then the power of God begins to fill you. And then... The whole, then the true move of the Holy Spirit begins to operate in your life. And then God's going to put you to work. The true <laughs> move begins to work. You begin to learn. I, I love the text I got this week. You know what, Pastor? When you actually decide to put your flesh down and be a doer of the word, being a doer of the word is a lot easier than it sounds like. All you have to do is just tell your flesh no. And I thought, oh, my dear Lord, what have I been preaching for ever? 
I'm like, thank God she, thank God she got it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, she got it. Oh, praise God. But see, it's not hard. But see, she, what was happening? Revelation was hitting her spirit. You know, revelation is a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Revelation is a move of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know what it is. The Lord woke me up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I just, I just really felt like I needed to reach out to so-and-so and just give them a word of encouragement. Guess what that is? That's a word of knowledge. That's a gift of the Holy Ghost in operation. Amen. That's God in operation. That's the Holy Ghost working in your life. And what do you do even though it's 5 o'clock in the morning? You reach out to that person. You reach person. out. You because reach out. God's not going to tell you, you to do that if well, there's not a reason. <laughs> or, or, or you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, oh, Spirit, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. I just have to pray. You take off in tongues. You take off in tongues of praying. And you're like, okay, it's been five minutes, Lord. No, they're still there. And you're up for an hour to two hours. Guess what? That's a move of the Holy. I have no idea what I'm praying about. You might be saving somebody's life and don't even know it. Don't even know it. Miss Deborah, you know, she she's with us for years and years, and she's still family. We're still believing they're coming home. Uh, but Miss Deborah, she texted me one day. She said, Pastor, in the middle of the night, I don't know what was. Uh, she said, I got, I woke up out of a dead sleep, and my son was on my mind, and I had no idea what to pray. But I just took off praying in the Holy Ghost, and I was praying for about two hours before I got a release. She said, I was just, a, just, she said, I was just a praying, just going, it, going after it in the Holy Ghost for about two hours. She said, I found out later that he was in a situation, like later he got, he got put in a situation where, uh, some, where he was working, some people uh, on his job site, not, not on his job, but where he worked, some people got irate with him and, and threatened him with a gun. And, uh, and, and the way things kind of went down, he said, he said, the way it went down, he said, I know God had to be on the scene. And she, and she asked him, uh, and so they kind of compared some things and found out that what she, what she woke up in the middle of the night praying about was the very thing that he needed intercession for. That's the opera. That's a true move of the Holy Ghost. That's a true move of the Holy Ghost. You might be walking through some, you, you might come against somebody or something to come up, and, and the Spirit will just drop down in you. That person's got a devil. That's a move of the Holy Ghost. That's called the discerning of spirits. And why is, God, why is the Lord telling you that? Sometimes so you can pray for him. Sometimes so you can go, oh, there's a devil there. Okay, Jesus. Got to go. See you later. Talk to you later. Sometimes, see, the, the move of the Holy Ghost is not just reserved for the church, but it's reserved for your individual life. You could be sitting there talking to somebody. I mean, they, my teenagers through the years, our adults through the years, they'll come up to you. They'll come up to me and say, Pastor, I don't know what it is, but people will just walk up to me and start just dumping their life story off on me. They're just like a trash can, just and I said, and they're like, why? And I said, because you've got the light of Jesus, and you've got the Holy Ghost. You have their answer. So when people are dropping their trash on you, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Ghost, is this just a hold up by the demon? Like, is the demon holding you hostage so you just can't go about your day? Or is this, Holy Ghost, do you have a word for this person? And the Holy Ghost might give you a word for that person. 
You know, you just, you, you'll have an unction on the inside to stay and hear them out. And then you say, well, I don't know how to help you, but I know the one true God. And all of a sudden, you start saying stuff by the Spirit that you didn't even know you knew. That's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and operation. That's the power of God in operation. And they're sitting there thinking, how did that complete stranger know that about my life? They didn't. The Holy Ghost did. The Holy Ghost did. See, so, we, so our job is to teach you not only how to have these things in the church, but how to get these things in operation in your life. But if you're walking in, now here's the deal. You can still have active sin in your life, and those gifts will go into operation. But they will not be as effective as they need to be until you get all of the sin out of your life. When, when Jesus can get a church, now listen, now listen. When we can get the core of the church walking clean, we get the core of the church getting every ounce of sin out of their life. We get the core of the church spending time in the Word, fellowshipping around the Word, praying, coming together and praying for the lost, praying for the ministry, praying for the church. When we, can get, when we make church as important as we make sports and video games, when we make the things of God as important as the things more important, just as important or more important than the things of the world, when we get in position like that, and then the power of God can begin to move and flow, the, the pews will fill up. Well, well, Pastor, if it fills up with people that are dirty and babies and full of sin, won't that won't that hinder the flow? No, it won't hinder the flow because what will happen is they're going to come in contact with the flow and the glory of God. They're going to fall on their faces. They're going to repent. And instead of us seeing progressive sanctification, we're going to see immediate supernatural sanctification where every sin is immediately eradicated from their life and they're walking upright, they're walking clean, and they're going, why? Because they want what you've got. They want what you've got. When we get there, then we can do something. But if you think that God's going to show up and you can have some little hidden sins in the back corner somewhere, you are sadly mistaken. You are sadly mistaken. So what is the purpose of Disciples House? The purpose of this ministry is to teach people faith and a true move of the Holy Spirit. It is to... It is to prepare people for the calling away of the church. Now, this sounds weird. For the calling away of the church and the coming of Christ. See, the church is going to get called away. There's going to be seven years of hard tribulation where we're in heaven. Now, when we get to heaven, we're not going to float around on lazy rivers of ease. We're not. We're going to be up there in deep, we're going to be up there in deep intercession for the fruit of the earth that is yet to come. Because there's going to be Christians on the earth. There's going to be, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. There are going to be Christians that are going to be left behind when the church gets raptured. Because they were either untaught, refused to be taught, or refused to be doers of the word. And now they're left behind. They realize they've missed the boat. And now they've got seven years of dealing with the devil off of a chain when the devil was eating their lunch when he was on a chain. So when we're in heaven, there's going to be some intercession going on, I believe. Amen. I believe. Now, uh, but, and, and, and so 
why are we putting the teaching of revelations out there online? It's out there for the whole world to see. It's there. We're teaching it now so when some of y'all get left behind, you'll be able to go, oh, they were right. Now I know what to do. Pastor, you just said some of our church people are getting left behind. That's up to you. That's not up to me. That's your choice. That's not my choice. You know, Jesus only had 12 disciples originally, and one of them served the devil in the end. In the beginning, he was, I mean, in the beginning, Judas was right there with him. But in the end, Judas turned and served the devil. Yeah. And it was all about the money. That's exactly what it was about. Listen, if, you're, if, if Satan can make you, if, if Satan can feed your hunger of the flesh, he will. He will. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's sure. basically one month's salary. Yeah. It's I not mean, much. But, but see, Satan will deceive you that way. Satan will deceive you that way. And I don't want any of you deceived. So hopefully you see and you understand that this is not Pastor Robbie's vision. This is not, well, that's what God said to you. This isn't Pastor Mike's decision or, or, or his vision. It's not his vision. It's what God told us to do from heaven. And just like the, our, our part is to tell you this is what God wants you to do. God wants you to teach people faith. God wants you to help get people ready for the second coming of Christ. God wants you to show people a true move of the Holy Ghost. God wants you to be a disciple. And God wants you to help send disciples out. That's the one part I didn't talk about. When you get all of this fulfilled, then that makes you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you are truly a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then God can take you and send you out on your own assignment with your own personal vision that he tells you to do. And, and the whole reason that disciples is he, Disciple House is here is so that we can, uh, we can uh, develop people into being disciples, and then the disciples can go do the work of Christ. That's the whole reason for this ministry. You want to bless the people? Tithes and offerings... Uh, Derek and uh, Brianna, if you two will come and prepare to serve the people. Thank All you, right. Father. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you that it falls on good ground and that it will grow and bear fruit in our lives, in the lives of those we come in contact with, because we will share your word, because we are doers and not just hearers only. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for all that you've done for us and, the, and this great sacrifice you gave to us that was so much greater than anything we could ask or do. So we give into your kingdom, Lord, because you've asked us to and because you, you said that you want your work done here on earth as it is in heaven, and, and so we give into your kingdom. We give uh, generously and with a joyful heart because we know that you will bless the, what we give to the doing of your work and that you will bless us for, for giving so that we can become a greater blessing to you, Lord. We thank you for this, Lord, and we ask that you bless this offering, that it be more than we, that it can go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work, and that it that it go far and that it reach many people and bring many people into your kingdom, whether it's here or in another church, that's fine. But as long as they're following you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you for your word, and we ask that that you help us to meditate on it throughout the week so that it grows in our lives, so that we water it and take care of it and don't just let it go to the wayside. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. Satan, we bind you off of the increase. Angels, we command you to go cause increase to come. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You can serve the people. There will not be prayer or prayer and healing school this evening. Uh, Pastor Mike and I have some um, church-related business that we have to handle, so we're not going to be available. Uh, so so, uh, so um, you get to take an extra evening of rest, enjoy your family, and... Uh, We'll see you Wednesday. We'll see you Wednesday. We'll continue our teachings on the book of Revelations. And then next Sunday, we'll be right back to our regular schedule. Um, we love everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.